podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a Jordan Henderson special for Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro. I'm your normal host, Dave Davis. I'm sure you recognise my voice. And I'm very pleased today to be going transatlantic to say I'm being joined, as far as I'm aware, unless he's going to correct me, all the way from New York. We've got Justin with us. Justin, how are we, sir? I'm doing all right. And yet that's correct. I am currently sitting in my apartment in uh, the city. So, yeah, I am, in fact, in New York right now. Nice. So, yeah, whether whichever side of the Atlantic we are on, people, we are going to talk about Jordan Henderson and the latest situation, which I am sure people will have their thoughts, their opinions on. And me and Justin are going to get right into it today, guys, on our thoughts, what we think we lose as a player, the situation. Even I might prompt Justin about Jurgen Klopp and how he thinks he'll see it. And ultimately, if the move does happen, how we think he'll be remembered. So there's a lot to cover in a short space of time. I mean, if we look at where we are, and I do think it's important that we almost timestamp this, we're about half past five on Friday, the 21st of July. As it stands, the latest information that anyone has is that Liverpool have accepted a bid for their captain, Jordan Henderson here has left their training camp in Germany and probably like you, we're all waiting for the next steps, the news updates. But barring a miracle, so to speak, it seems like that move is set to happen. So, Justin, I mean, there's been a there's been a lot of noise, there's been a lot of thoughts expressed, understandably, and I'm probably going to ask you a, a short question, which will open up a lot of talk naturally. Where we are right now, what are your honest thoughts on this move? How are you honestly feeling about it right now? My honest feeling is one of... Uh... I wouldn't call it like outright sadness, but it's disappointment. Uh, He's been an important player for us for quite some time. Um, Obviously he's declining because age catches up with everybody Um, from the perspective of what he offers on pitch. It's, you know, as I mentioned, declining, Um, but there was the value to the, uh, the side and then also as well as supporters base. And I feel like that's where, where this is felt, Um, you know, we can have arguments as to who the standard setters are within in the squad. And I don't think you'll ever really get to an answer unless you actually get members of the squad to answer you um, totally honestly. And we're only going to find that out, you know, when the, the tell all books are written in 15 to 20 years. So for now you can yeah. only go off of what you assume and what you believe. And I'm going to, you know, lay the line of he is an, he's seemingly an important leader who's spoken about well. So from an, you know, from a squad perspective, it's certainly not great to lose that level of continuity, but um, from an on-field perspective, it's not necessarily where it's going to be felt. 
And then there is the element of uh, what it's meant to the club and what he's meant to certain communities that he's stood with. Um, in particular, it's impossible to discuss this without discussing his uh, standing as an, uh, an ally with the LGBTQ plus community and then um, seemingly agreeing to move to Saudi Arabia where uh, homosexuality is not recognized. It's um, it's it's punished fairly uh, austerely uh, up to uh, and including potentially the death penalty. Um, albeit, I will admit that I don't know enough about individual case law to say that whether or not it has been applied. So I'm just going to have to take the word of the various human rights groups that that monitor this. And it's the the abandonment of a marginalized group. I don't think it's going to sit well with a lot of people. And I think that's uh, and, 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 you know, I think that's where the rubber hits the road as far as the immediate reaction is. Why, why go there? You, it's not as that it's not as if he's completely out of options, probably to play in Europe. Um, he'd probably have to take a step down from the top class of European clubs if he wanted to continue to play. But there are certainly yeah. other places he could have gone. Yeah, and, and and I totally understand that. I think it is right to almost when we're chatting through this, split it into the almost on the field matters, the impact to the the side, as it were, and then the wider social implications. I think it is right to almost separate and look at those. I mean, maybe the the shorter ones and the the simplest ones to talk about. You mentioned on the field, you know, his impact to the side, maybe be being marginalised from a the player perspective. Solely, you know what happens on the field. Do you think his loss will be that big? Obviously, as you mentioned before, he is the captain, he is the leader, he is a a known presence, a known character, as you were, you know, the standard setter, that phrase that you use. Do you think it is a big loss on the field or are you looking at it from the side of, and these are suggestions, this isn't me saying it definitively, but suggestions that his minutes would be marginalised this season by Jurgen Klopp, almost moving into the Milner role, as I heard it described. How do you see it from a playing perspective in that regard? Well, from a playing perspective, if he was sticking around and was going to play over 2,000 minutes, it means probably something would have gone wrong. Um, in particular, say 2,000 minutes, 2,000 minutes in the league. Something would have mm-hmm. gone wrong because... Um, the position that he's playing in our current setup, uh, the right side at eight, you, you could probably say that Dominic Sazabli is Sazabli. Uh, I'll, I'll get the name right at some point. Uh, is a better fit and is a younger player with significantly higher potential to um, yeah. and and, and probably immediate impact that Henderson will have there in that position this season. Harvey Elliott is probably a better fit for that position if we're being frank as well. Um, so it leaves you with. Where is where are his minutes to come from? Um, he's not an ideal six because of the loss of the ability to tackle. So the question is, like, I don't really see where he fits on the pitch. Um, I do think that he could have probably done a role like a Milner role where you manage his minutes, have him just go all out in the minutes that he has. So he's not trying to manage himself through, you know, getting through 70 minutes a match, but maybe just 25, 30 and just empty the tank every time. Perhaps yeah. he could have been useful in that role. Um, but I do think that that is kind of a, when you've been starting and playing as many minutes as he has for a, for a long time, that's a tough thing to accept. And I don't think that people really understand the mentality of peak and professional athletes because they hate sitting on the bench. It's a thing that drives them insane. Mm. Yeah. 
do you think from from that perspective and because i think it is always sort of important when we're discussing this to have a, a balance and look at it from all sides realistically from that perspective i do think it's an important point to make because we look at you know the history of the club we remember Stephen Gerrard's autobiography when he mentioned he had those conversations with Brendan Rodgers didn't he about a reducing role so to speak and and how he took that how it you know how he perceived that as well do you think that's and I want to be careful how I phrase this but an element of almost mitigation for Jordan Henderson in this that if he's had that conversation with Jurgen Klopp and you know there's been a frank listen you will be a squad player it'll be reduced minutes he has got that elite athlete mentality is that mitigation for how we're looking at it? Is that fair to say? I think it completely is. Um, I think it's. I think it's totally fair because I, I can't really think of. And and this is and this is one of those things that we'll probably walk into a few times in this podcast. The idea of, well, you know, I can't think of any other line of work where being marginalized uh, in the in the office or wherever you are is seen as a good thing. Um, and, and and I kind of. That one usually falls flat on me because professional athletes are very different than the rest of us. But in this particular case, I do think it is tough to accept father time catching up on you, especially when you're a player like Jordan Henderson, whose entire career has kind of been one of those having to prove doubters wrong at every turn. Yeah. Yeah. In, indeed, yeah, I do. I do think it's an important mitigation in there. And listen, Justin, it's only right to turn to the other side because. I have no doubt you'll have read the various articles, heard the various, you know, chats, podcasts around it. And there has been, you know, there's no escaping it, some quite understandable as well, scathing articles, you know, or, or tweets even. There was one in The Athletic, wasn't there? For, I think it was Kibro Neil mentioned it. Other members of the LGBTQ plus community being quite scathing in that regard as well. David Lynn. I mean, there's various ones that, that can go on and on in that regard. Do, do you totally understand their ire? Do you totally understand their frustration? And I suppose, how do you see it from that side or that perspective? I, I, I fully understand their frustration. And um, this, I think this is where it's important to point out that like, I'm a straight white guy. So um, I, I can't pretend to understand um, the exact feelings of the LGBT community and those who are, you know, in particular, the Liverpool yeah. supporting one who have been vocal about this. That said, I can try to put myself in their shoes um, because I do come from a group that has faced discrimination at points in time. I'm Jewish. Um, and I understand what it feels like to be othered. Now, it's a different kind of othering. Um, but at the same time, it's not nice nonetheless. Now, within the perspective of Henderson, the reason he's getting this much focus and you know scorn and and, uh, and opposition is that he went out of his way to be to be an LGBT uh, Q plus ally and when you put yourself out there like that and you then uh, you know reverse course and take money from a Saudi club whose line between that club and the Saudi government's not necessarily clear you do invite this criticism because of the aforementioned uh, legal feeling towards uh, the LGBTQ plus community in Saudi Arabia. So I completely understand it. Now, this is where I think Henderson's really exposed himself is the concept of a, being an ally, right? Yeah. When you think of what an alliance is, you know, and, and like, you know, it, it's most tribal kind of primal meeting is an, an ally in a war. You're volunteering yourself to potentially die for someone else's cause. And, you know, this doesn't need to be taken 
that literally. But in the end, the entire premise of Alliance, when you are willing to abandon it um, because you don't necessarily view that other group's um, existence as, I would say, uh, equal to your own needs and or if not greater, you, you do look hypocritical. And I understand all of the criticism towards it. Um, quite frankly, it, you know, the move he's made has made me upset. It has made me upset with him too, because I do think it, uh, you know, I, I fancy myself an ally and I do feel like it cheapens the word when it can be that easily discarded. Yeah. And, and, and I can fully understand that. And like you say, he's been so, I suppose the, the strange thing or the, the one that people feel whatever it may be, let down validly, disappointed validly, all those things is that he has been such as you say, an ally and a champion for, for rainbow laces. I think back to the NHS, you know, was caught in the NHS during a lockdown, all the various things that he's done on the field, off the field, sorry, I should say. So I fully un- understand that. On the other side, because again, we really, I really want to balance this and, and look at all the angles at the same time. I have seen, whether it be social media, various outlets, there's been others. I mean, Robbie Fowler even has been sort of quite outspoken on it, hasn't he, in certain articles saying, I don't know why he, there's all this for Raw. There's also the suggestions that, hold on, another Liverpool legend, Stevie Gerrard's there already as manager at the same club. So why is it falling on Henderson that way? Do you hold much truck with that or do you see it a different way, those arguments? I see it a little bit differently. And I'll try to break out the argument into approaching it three different ways because I feel like this is at least to me relevant, right? You have the opinion of Fowler, right? Now, Fowler is going to Saudi Arabia because he can't find jobs elsewhere. So yeah. um, he's, I mean, he's gone to a second division team in Saudi Arabia to try to resurrect his coaching career. And to a point, I understand that because if you want to work in something and you can't find work elsewhere, you have to go to where the work is. So I understand. Now, his opinion hits me the wrong way when you start talking about the likes of, let's start with Gerard. Gerard, when he was in in LA, was a teammate of Robbie uh, Rogers, who is the first player, first professional footballer in the world to come out, uh, to come out. Yeah. And Gerard supported it. And, you know, he never sat there. Gerard never sat there and, you know, took the stance that Henderson has where he didn't, you know, the the thing with Henderson, he never had to do any of this. He never had to go out and take those stances, right? So the second you electively do something, you're putting yourself out there to be held accountable to how you represent yourself. Now, Gerard still supported his teammates. So it is a bit hypocritical and it's not great that he is allowing for his fame, which is quite, you know, Stephen Gerrard is a world famous footballer. One of the most well-known footballers there is. Um, he's, he's lending that particular fame to the, to us, to the Saudi project. And ultimately, if you think the Saudi sporting project is a valid sporting project and not a political one, then you don't see a problem with it. But if you think it's a political project, Ultimately, then you see him lending his fame to Saudi sport, you know, Saudi sport washing. So yeah. I do think that if, depending upon your perspective, I come from the perspective of I think it's a political project and I think that they're utilizing Gerard's fame. So ultimate, and, and I've, and I've criticized it. So, you know, 
there is a there is a level of consistency there. The last one is going to be people like um, Roberto Firmino and Fabinho, who you know the two of them have never really said a ton publicly. Um, yeah, it, I mean Fabinho's wife has very publicly uh, supported Jair Bolsonaro, who is yeah you know a fascist and. I think the issue, I think that people, the reason people aren't criticizing Fabinho for going there is because he simply probably doesn't care about the causes that we do. Um, now this is an assumption based upon his wife's political support, but I think it's a reasoned one that there's probably not a ton of daylight between him and his wife on their personal politics. Um, yeah. But I think it's, there's less furor there because people expect it. And neither of those guys have really gone out and taken massive political you know, positions that said, I actually ultimately think it's a lot simpler, which is if they're both fascists, they should be that their political beliefs should be questioned and they should be lampooned for being fascists in general, because fascism is a, you know, political philosophy that ultimately relies upon carving people up into classes and asserting that some are better than others. Yeah, that's yeah. That could probably be a different conversation for another totally different yeah, conversation. <laughs> absolutely, but yeah, I, I think it was important. And to be fair, it's a great point to make. I haven't even mentioned the the two Brazilian lads that are set or have gone to Saudi Arabia as well. And probably the only other real topical sort of piece I've seen on it recently. There was a one, but I don't know if you'd seen it by Andy Dunn in the mirror to say, yeah, the, yeah Henderson's wrong. And it, there's been a lot of criticism of this. I think it's fair to set it in that context. But Liverpool, i.e. the club, is just as guilty. They talk about this means more. However, they're happy to accept, you know, the Saudi gold, as it were, so to speak. Again, hold any truck with that or just think that's, as I heard it described online today, is that white noise or is there value to that argument? I think it's white noise. And I can, I mean, ultimately, Liverpool didn't seek out El Atifak um, for Henderson and El Atihad for Fabinho. The two of them effectively were sounded out by the news and seemed to be the ones driving it. Mm. So, what's the club supposed to do? Say, no, we won't let you go where you want. That's a completely different problem because then you're running into the labor problem of denying people the ability to go leave, to go work where they want to. So it's a wholly different question and it's a different moral question. And I do think also to the extent that particular writer is just seeking uh, to make hay of the entire point of Liverpool bad because Liverpool isn't the only money, isn't the only team accepting money from these areas. Like if you start going down that path, effectively, you're going to indict all of world football. And, you know, you probably should because UEFA and FIFA opened up this door with their rampant corruption and the allowance of football to be used by nation states to soften their image. So, yeah. um, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's the concept of moral hazard. Every single, you know, there are not every single moral hazard is of equal ethical value or of, uh, you know, a flattened distinction. And you do have to try to wade through and understand the different inputs into it and the different ways within which these things are manifesting. Because if you just flatten every distinction and treat everything the same, then nothing really has any meaning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Context is everything, as they say. And the only other one, and I kind of told a lie there because I said the last one, there is a a final one that I do want to sort of throw at you, so to speak, that Melissa Reddy, who's now Sky Sports journalist, she's been, you know, quite outspoken, 
on the the situation, had a lot of support for for what she t- um, tweeted and what she said. However, at the same time, I have seen the the other side of the argument, which is always important to approach. That people have said, yeah, absolutely, she she's got some points around Jordan Henderson. However. She was in Qatar. She supported that regime. Do you, how do you stand on that one? I always find that's an interesting one to discuss. I find it interesting because at some point, like when, when when the only question you ask is what about without trying to engage upon the framework that exists around it. Like you said, the context is ridiculous. Was Qatar paying her salary? No, Sky Sports was, right? It's a massive global event, the World Cup, and she's a journalist. So her job is to cover it. And I think that like, you know, an apt comparison would be if you send a journalist into the the war in the Ukraine, um, does that make them pro-war or are they just covering things that are occurring? Because yeah. she also used her platform to criticize the Qatari government while there. And from what I understand, the Qatari government wasn't necessarily thrilled with some of the coverage they got in the West. Um, mm. I know that it, it certainly wasn't the Fox coverage in the U.S. that they weren't thrilled with because Fox covered the political element in, in no way. So that to me assumes that they do mean some of the British commentators like a Melissa Reddy, like a Gary Lineker, um, where just going someplace and reporting on things doesn't make you complicit to its occurrence. Like that's how we find out about the world is that you have journalists there to tell you things that are going on. Otherwise, hmm. what, like, what are you going to rely on? Just the what what the state, you know, what the Qatari state's going to tell you. The Qatari state was going to tell you everything is great and this is the best World Cup ever. Uh, they're not going to cover the migrant worker. Like the Qatari government doesn't want you to know about the migrant workers who died building these stadiums. So, yeah. how do you how how do you find anything out if you don't have people there whose only best interest is telling the story? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, again, in a a good way, one that we we could discuss all night, but this will not be the only podcast I'm sure this will come up on, but yeah, a lot to unpack off the, the field. And one area that I don't hear people talking about, Justin, is Jurgen Klopp in this. And not in a negative way. I think it's important, again, to present this in context. I mean, this broke the kind of breaking news. It was literally about one or two minutes into kickoff, wasn't it, on, on Wednesday night? Sort of the, the biggest update came through. So there was pretty much zero surprise when Jurgen Klopp was pitched the question post-match. And 
the, the way I would describe it is it, you're almost straight battered to say, you know, that's probably a time, I think you said the paraphrasing a bit, a time to discuss this. Now's not really the time. However, that, you know, it, it is him that ultimately makes the decisions and, you know, we'll look at it all and go from there. I mean, a couple, a couple of questions. We'll go on this one by one. Has he played that the right way? And I'm almost asking, is there any other way you could have played it at this current time? I don't know how he's supposed to answer that question other than how he did. Um, he doesn't want to disrupt the training camp. And I don't think, I think the other thing is he doesn't want the players who are still there, who have been through the wars for him to all of a sudden see him be interviewed about Henderson and or Fabinho and say, yeah, they, they, they're, they're dead to me. They can move on. No, he's going to, he's going to protect them. And sometimes the best mm-hmm. way to do that is just not say anything because He's probably got his own thoughts about their moves and he has no, there's no incentive for him to tell anybody publicly what those thoughts are because the second he does, he creates a, he creates a wedge and he makes the story about Klopp has falling out with these players when all Klopp really wants to do is get prepared for the season and get, you know, the team confident, get them feeling like they can do the, what he's asking of them. And if you basically, you know, put everything onto himself saying, yes, I consent to this, even if it's not his choice to have these both, both these players leave, because I probably don't think it is. I don't think he wanted to lose two very senior players in a yeah. summer where there's a lot been a lot of transition. So and a lot of personnel changes. I don't think he wants to lose them. But at the same time, it's, you know, managerial trick one n- n- number one. If you don't if you can take pressure off of your team by putting it onto yourself, you do it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's the older classic. You may uh, you may praise or be still in public, but yeah, in the changing room, you may well be thinking a different thing. And it is a hypothetical. There's no two ways about that. We will probably never know the answer to this directly. But what does your gut tell you honestly about how Jurgen Klopp views this? Now, I'm asking this in the context of we know Jurgen Klopp is he's not a political figure. But he has been outspoken you know, on political beliefs, the way he sees things. He's quite often looked to as a manager for a, a social political comment. Quite often, again, we'll never definitively know. But if what does your gut tell you about what he's thinking privately? My gut tells me that privately he's disappointed. Not necessarily that Henderson and Fabinho have chosen to go to Saudi Arabia, because it's tough for me to know his feelings on that. Um, he has been asked about it before, actually. Uh, when Liverpool went to the World Club Cup in Qatar, he was specifically asked about participating in a tournament uh, where, you know, whereby the stadiums were built in the manner that I described earlier with, you know, migrant workers. Uh, yeah, true. He ducked the question. He, 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 he sort of ducked the question and sort of didn't. Um, he did, you know, I think he cheekily at that point in time threw the response back sort of at the organizers basically by saying, or by, at FIFA by saying, well, I don't, you know, I don't choose the location of these things. Um, yeah. And I think it's probably going to be quite similar. I think it'll be, inst- I don't see Jurgen Klopp as probably one to want to alienate Liverpool supporters by taking on a political position that's wildly at odds with the club mm. uh, or with, with the supporters. I don't think necessarily, I mean, 
he's he's certainly also not going to embarrass his bosses. But at the same time, I think he's got a delicate balancing act because he's a participant in this market. He can't just say, I'm never going to take Saudi money for transfers because that might throw away a giant funding pot. And also FSG will probably never won't say uh, no to that because they're capitalists and they are going to take capital. So Indeed. I think he's just got a very delicate balancing act and he's one who knows that the less he says about certain things, the uh, the less harm he can do. Yeah, I would agree with all that and I'd probably echo that point that in a certain way, knowing how Jurgen Klopp works, he's never um, never enamoured, shall we say, answering questions around transfers. He's always thinking about the training ground and the next match, as it were, so we know where his focus will be in that regard. And the the fan base, I, don't, I was thinking when I was going to ask you this, just in all honesty, I'd, the way, and this is my personal opinion, I'll start with my opinion before I ask the question. I feel, especially with Henderson, such a polarising player, naturally anyway, which seems so strange for, for the captain of so many years. But I think people would struggle to, you know, disagree that he is a polarising player within the fan base. Now, I do see the sentiments, the feelings, all understandably, please, I'm not dismissing any of them that I see at all, but I feel quite often the views are almost entrenched anyway, shall we say, be it from a positive and negative point of view, but I do appreciate every you know situation should be judged on its merit, so to speak. With this, I, I see the word, and this is where I'm going with it, Legacy mentioned. That's probably the key word I'm sure you see mentioned time and time again, the impact upon his legacy. So in that context, how do you see the impact upon his legacy here? It's an interesting question, Dave. And I, I think the instructive example here um, would be Graham Sunes. Uh, Sunes, you know, he obviously spoke to that paper. And that you know, that paper did tremendous harm to the entire city of Liverpool. And soon as, you know, for one, reflected, was able to reflect upon his wrong and show true contrition for what he had done. Now that took time and healing takes time. And I'm sure that there are probably still people who haven't forgiven soon as, and that that is completely and totally perfectly their right. Um, And I think with Henderson, it might be, a little bit different because of the nature of the fact that this has happened in the social media era where everybody has an opinion and everybody has a comment. Now I'm going to say a few things about his legacy, which I think, you know, without, try- without trying to define it myself, because I, I, I don't know that we can define legacies while a man, while a person's still playing, right. It's, it's a, it is a thing that is constantly being rewritten. And to be perfectly yeah, honest, well, your legacy is constantly rewritten until, you know, Realistically, the day you depart the earth. But um, he is a player who divides opinion. And his uh, division of opinion is not a thing that's going to stop magically once he leaves the club. Now, I don't think, you know, he'll obviously become a less of a hot button issue because um, he won't be here. That's it. So there's two things that I, that I want to point out. I think that some people have, uh, and um, I think this is an extraordinarily small, small group of people, but um some people have actually weaponized his, his the stances he's taken and um, used those rather insincerely to to slate him and just say, you know, this is all about his, you know, need for constant good PR. Um, yeah. 
I, I think that that I think it misses the point a little bit. Um, there is, you know, there there are profound questions to ask about his the sincerity of his stances at this point, and uh, I think that those are going to be reevaluated, and we have to hear from the man himself um, to really understand where that goes. Try, but I think that you know. Some of it is that there are people who are just who, who don't like him for whatever reason, and they're just consistently trying to reinvent new reasons to not like him. When I think that everybody could be a little bit more honest and just say that you know I don't like him because I think he should do football. I would actually respect that. That's a uh, it's an intellectually honest position, and you know I don't need people to agree with me, but uh, because I don't think he should at football, I just think that he's a player who's aged out of his usefulness. But um, I think that it is helpful if people are intellectually honest about it. If you are going to be disappointed and have a take and a go at him about the LGBT, about his amendment of the LGBTQ community, mean it sincerely. That's the only thing I can ask. But yeah. um, as far as, you know, going down the line of what his legacy is, it's going to be really hard to tell. It, it is going to, it is going to take time. And, you know, I, I don't know whether or not this is possible, but I think it's, I, I don't think it is given what we know about Saudi Arabia, um, that, that maybe he goes there and becomes a champion for LGBT rights in Saudi Arabia and Britain, in which case some of the slack he's taken, you know, and some of the criticism he's taken this week would be ill warranted. Now, like I said, do I think that it's going to happen? Probably not. Is it totally impossible? No, um, it's, it's highly, it's, it's extraordinarily improbable, but not completely impossible. And, I don't want to say that people shouldn't form opinions on him based on this, but just, you know, some room for that to happen. You can't blame people for allowing that thought to come into their head. It's not a thought I hold, but I can't necessarily blame people for wanting to believe that, that, you know, a person they've seen as being just very good can continue to be a very good person. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. I think there needs to be a, a care to not fall into to what I refer to as almost a, a distorted thinking pattern. I don't think this is a clear cut by any means. And I, I am hearing different points regularly where I have to be honest, both sides of the coin and there's validity to, to all the points I fully understand. And, you know, as you mentioned before, can empathise with those types of things as well. So it is definitely not a, a clear cut situation for that regard. And Probably the the final question I want to ask you, because naturally, I mean, like I say, we're, we timestamp this as Friday. We're almost all waiting for developments. It, it's a simple question, but it's maybe, I don't know if it is difficult to answer. I mean, let me just ask it, so to speak. How does this end in the best possible way? What I'm referring to by that, Justin, is how do the club do this in terms of media briefing any sort of celebration of the player is it leave quietly out the back door so we have you know avoid any of the furore or issues what is the best way for this end game so to speak i don't that's gonna be a tough one because i think ultimately he's a player who should um should have been should have been given a uh you know a really joyous uh, leaving. I mean, he's the last player I think we're going to have for quite some time who would end up getting a testimonial, but I don't necessarily even know that the moment that you can do that. I think that the way in which yeah. he's left is, um, you know, I hate using this term, but it is, it is kind of disgraceful. I mean, the point that I put out there a minute ago about, you know, there's the possibility that he could, um, you know, 
brighten up his legacy by finding new ways to stand with the communities that he's previously stood with. I, I, you know, I stated that as a hypothetical. I don't believe that that can happen in reality. Uh, I think it's pretty far from it. And I think it's very tough considering if you look at like, look at what the club's social media avatar is right now. It's yeah. the pride flag with, if it's a yeah. pride flag and the transgender flag, um, it, it, it would be a, a very difficult thing to square to celebrate a player while you have that flag up who, you know, I, this, is, this is a tough word to use, betrayed betrayed the people he was supposed to be allied to, right? So, like, it's it it is a very tough thing to do. So, I don't know, I don't know that the real answer for that, but I think at the moment it's just you know, you let him go quietly out the door, and um, you kind of just have to. You, you either run the risk of opening yourselves up to the bad PR of giving him, you know, that hero's exit at the moment. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know the answer, but I think it's just let him go quietly. Yeah, indeed. And it, it is a difficult one to answer. And fingers crossed either way, as we said, I know we've timestamped this a couple of times, but as we are sort of late Friday afternoon into early evening, fingers crossed we do not have to wait too long to find out. Justin, the only sort of real final thing I sort of want to say and refer back to is thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sort of giving your honest thoughts, unpacking all those aspects as well. It has been much appreciated. Is there any sort of final thoughts that were anything you think it's worth mentioning? I know we've gone in great depth there, but anything you think we've missed at all or worth flagging? No, I don't think there's anything that we've missed at all that's worth uh, bringing up, but I would just say, you know, amongst uh, anybody who's listening to this, uh, you know, marginalized groups do need your support. And sometimes the support of everyday people can mean just as much as the support of really famous people. Brilliant. Yeah. Great note to end on there. Just leads me to say, Justin, thank you. Thank you if you've been listening. And that was another special for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.